What's up, money movers? Welcome back. Today's deep dive into entrepreneurship in our community is brought to you by our partners at MasterCard, bridging the wealth gap together with Greenwood. much to discuss. I mean, my, thought, my thoughts have been reeling on mortgages and how we can really help our community secure real estate and assets for their families and future generations. So in our previous segment, you talked about FHAs and conventional loans. Can you tell me the difference between an FHA and a conventional loan? Yep. So FHA is going to be more for your borrower who is low to moderate credit and, and or income. Right. Okay. So credit that is kind of shaky, probably anywhere from like a 580 to a 640, 660 credit score. All right. And then low, low to moderate income as well. So depending on where your debt to income ratio is, normally debt to income ratios that are around 45 to 75, uh, sorry, 57% is where the debt to income ratio would be at for FHA buyer. Okay. Conventional. Different. Now you're looking at strong income, strong credit. You're looking at normally credit scores in the 700s, high 600s. You're looking at debt to income ratio that is under 75%. Very strong borrowers. Not More times than not, they have more than 3% to put down on a home. So those are the big differences. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Um what are closing costs and how much should I expect them to be? Because I feel like sometimes those are a surprise for people at the end of a really great journey. Um, right. how, how, do you, how would you explain those? Oh, man. So closing costs is always a big question mark for a lot of people, but it's necessary in every uh, real estate transaction. So closing costs consist of the um, originator's fee. So whatever originating company that you're going with, it consists of their fees. You have title fees, the attorney fees. We have to pay the attorneys who are doing the title searches, okay? They're not going to do their job for free. Um, we have um, transfer taxes that need to be paid. You also have an escrow setup, okay? So an escrow account, guys, for those of you who don't know, you have to pay property taxes because if you don't, your house will be taken. Promise you that. You need homeowner's insurance, okay? Homeowner's insurance to make sure that your home is covered, all right? And fully covered at that. God forbid anything happens while you have a lien on your property, okay? So homeowner's and insurance. And I'm feeling very, very broke right now. This is a lot of costs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Homeownership is not easy, but I love that you're preparing us for this. Yep. Um, and, and obviously the, um, if needed the insurance, the mortgage insurance as well. So you also need an escrow setup and what the escrow setup is for is so that we, they, we pretty much put funds in the account prior to you closing, because what we want to do is pretty, I call it like a pad. We want to make sure that you have enough money there. So when the end of the year comes and taxes are taken out insurance is taken out. Our insurance company needs to have enough funds in there so that they're able to pay all the parties, their, um, the, pay all the, pretty much the, the invoices to all the parties that need their funds, because God forbid, if it doesn't happen, you're at risk for pretty much because you're the borrower. So we want to protect all borrowers by making sure that we have those uh, uh, escrow setups. Um, and that's pretty much what closing costs really consist of. It's just making sure that we have everything in line so that there is nothing missing. And hopefully later down the line, borrowers are not, you know, coming back to get bit 
in the behind for something that they should have paid for that the mortgage company actually pays for on your behalf. No, that actually sounds um, like a protective mechanism. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So my next question, should I choose a fixed rate or an adjustable rate mortgage? So it depends. It depends on the goal and it depends on also where you are. Well, the market, the market that you're in when you're looking to buy a home. So if you're looking to do a fixed rate mortgage, a fixed rate mortgage means that your interest rate is fixed for the life of the loan. It is not going to change at all. Okay. Now, Fixed rate mortgages normally really follow the market. So following the market, meaning that rates, we actually follow rates that are that that the market actually goes by. OK, guys, so I don't know if people are in the stocks here, but we follow bank rate. <laughs> I'm not going to get much into that. It's kind of complex, but um we pretty much follow the market. So whatever your fixed rate is, is pretty much going to be locked in at whatever I guess, time you end a home, the time you're about to close, depending on that you have, some lenders do it differently where they might like a rate prior to you doing an application or right before you go to the closing table, maybe a couple of days prior, depending on what you want to do. But a fixed rate mortgage is normally going to follow the market depending on where it's locked at. Okay. Now, adjustable rate mortgages, you have different adjustable rate mortgage timeframes. Okay. So you have a three-year, you have a five-year and you have a seven-year and some I even do 10-year adjustable rate mortgage. Now, adjustable rate mortgages will normally be lower than what the market, uh, than, than the actual market rates. You'll normally get a rate lower. The thing is, though, those rates adjust after a certain time period. Okay? And nine times out of 10, it's probably going to go up. Okay. So more times than not, when people use adjustable rate mortgages is when rates are really high. Okay. okay. So that's normally when people use adjustable rate mortgages. So in this market that we're in, where rates are actually at an at an historic low, believe it or yeah. not. So now's a good time to buy. Now's a good time to buy. Fixed rate is the best option to go. I don't see many adjust adjustable rate mortgages mortgages being put out there because it's just rates are low. Why so there's no reason, yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't you lock in your rate? at the lowest rate possible for 30 years versus locking it in for three, five or seven years. Just doesn't make sense. So get the best rate you can and lock it in for 30 years. Okay. So you talked about the market and we just came out of COVID. What are you seeing right now with the market? Is it a buyer's market, a seller's market? Um, is there a lot of inventory? Great question. So during COVID, it was a mess. <laughs> I will say that it was a mess. It was definitely a seller's market during COVID. We did not have a lot of inventory. The price of lumber was ridiculous. Sellers were making tons of money. Now, what I'm seeing, especially in, um, in my area, in Atlanta, the market is kind of slowing down. It's getting more even now. Um, we're kind of seeing this shift. So buyers are starting to, you know, kick the, like get it get it going again. They're feeling their straw now. Buyers again out there. They're able to now really negotiate with the sellers and get what they're kind of hoping for. Versus a couple months ago, where you literally were paying ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars over asking price. Yeah. So huge shift, huge shift in these last couple months. Okay. Um, my next question, can you explain to me PMI and DTI? What are those words? PMI. So good question. So debt to income ratio, DTI, 
Now, whenever you hear DTI, that is debt to income ratio. That is what we discussed earlier, where how you can calculate how much home you can afford, right? So every DTI is going to be different for every program, just like FHA. FHA, the max DTI is 57% back-end ratio. So 57%, how do you get that number? How do you know is my DTI at 57%? Simply log into a Credit Karma, log into a Credit Wise, log into something where you can see your credit, if not credit score, your, your credit report at the at the very least. Add up all of your monthly payment obligations, not the balances, the payments. People make that mistake. Calculate all of the payments, add them together and divide that by your monthly gross income. Ooh. And when you divide that, you will get a DTI calculation of whatever percentage that is for you. Right? I think a lot of people would be shocked because, you know, yeah. they don't really take into account, like you say, their total spend versus mm -hmm. their income. And this is, I think, you know, one of the conversations that I want to make transparent on our podcast, like we have to be conscious of saving and not spending, you know, in those, even in a, in a world now where we're it's at the touch of a button, you can subscribe to five different streaming platforms for $9.99 a month. Like it adds up. It does. It definitely does. So definitely keep that in mind. That's why we tell people be very mindful about what you're spending your money on or right. taking out debts on. Be very mindful of that. And that's why we encourage people that if you're really looking to purchase a home, don't go acquire any major debts. Don't have anyone really pull your credit and really, really try to pay down as many debts as possible because what does not count against you are any debts that are paid off at the time that you have your credit pulled. Okay, you said something really interesting. You're just like, don't have anyone go and pull your credit. And mm -hmm. so I think this is a thing that people are a little uncertain about because they're like, well, does that mean I can go on free credit karma? Does that affect my credit score? Um, what does that mean when you say don't have anyone go and pull your credit? So when we say don't have anyone go and pull your credit, that's really to protect you. Now, we all know that when you, whenever you have someone pull your credit, it is more times than not going to be a hard inquiry, right? And hard inquiries can definitely affect your credit score, not dramatically, but it definitely can affect your credit score. The other thing too, as lenders, we have to be mindful of when we pull your credit, what inquiries you've had in the last 90 days. And we have to look at those and we have to investigate each of them. Because if you're looking to acquire any new debt soon, we have to take that under consideration. The other thing is too, we also have to account for, did you go to any other lenders and get denied and come here and what was the reason why you got denied? We need to we need to know those things. Not that you probably won't get approved for the loan, but we need to understand is there is there a stipulation that they have that another lender may have as well that you can't get a loan or another reason may be you're hiding information. I always say what's in the dark will come to light. Mm -hmm. So you want to be extremely honest with any uh, loan, per, any finance professional that you're working with. Be very honest, be very straightforward. Okay. So this is a great question. Cause it's like, what are you hiding? So what do I need, um, to bring to my appointment with you when I'm trying to get a mortgage? Like what are the documents? What do I need to compile so that I am as open and transparent and I ultimately get the best mortgage possible? Perfect. And that's a great question because I wish more people asked me that instead of coming to me and wondering, okay, where do you know, what do I do? So 
the best thing you can do is bring identification, right? Identification, obviously, driver's license, um, social security card, passport, some some form of identification. Um, employment information, right? W-2s, last two-year W-2s, a month worth of pay stubs. And another thing that would be nice is bank statements. Bring bank statements. Let's see how much money we have to work with. If you don't have enough funds, then we can talk about maybe some grants or down payment assistance that might be available for you. So those are more for people who are um, have who have a W-2 job, have an employer. For people who are self-employed, instead of bringing the W-2s and pay stubs, all you would have to bring are the last two years of your tax returns. Okay. Okay, great. I've got a question for you. I have a friend. I was like, oh, I'm going to have this mortgage expert on the show today. And she wanted me to ask you a question. She is a hairstylist. So she, you know, is part of the gig economy. She takes a lot of cash payments. She takes some over Square and Stripe. Um, She pays booth rental at a salon, but she makes great money. Black women like to spend a lot on their hair. Um, And she is looking to buy her first home. She's 26, a single mom, and she's found the home of her dreams. You know, now she's trying to get financing. What advice do you have for her? Her credit's okay. It's Mm -hmm. just under 700. Okay. So just under 700 credit score, we can work with that. Promise you that we can work with that. So what I would do is, being that she's self-employed, gets a lot of cash, what I would do is after speaking with, well, when speaking with her, first thing I would do is want to pull the credit. Let's see what we're working with with there. So if the credit's under 700, let's say it's to 680, I would think automatically, let's go conventional financing. Let's see what we can do there. Fannie Mae, conventional financing. The other thing is too, how much money do you have? How how much in funds are we really working with? Do we have enough money to put a three to put three percent down? If we don't, maybe we can put a grant down. But you said she has a lot of money, so I'm assuming she has the three percent. I'm assuming she has the closing call uh, the 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 closing cost funds as well, so she can definitely afford the cash to close. The other thing is too, she's receiving cash, so we really need to investigate. Are you filing all of this on your taxes? If not. Maybe the best route we might have to take is one of two things. Either we need to talk to your CPA and see if we can work on showing additional income on your taxes, right? Because you can amend your taxes. It's never too late. You can always amend your taxes. Ah, Oh, that's a really great tip there. Yeah. Go back. And if you've taken cash, you can amend things on your taxes. Mm -hmm. I never thought of that. Yep. Amending your taxes. I have clients do it all the time. Amend taxes. Let's show some income on there because what you can do is say, hey, I'm a business owner. I don't make any money, but please give me this loan. That doesn't make any sense, right? So let's show some income on those taxes. But some people will be a little apprehensive about that. Nah, I don't really want to play with the IRS. Don't want to pay them any, any money. Okay, understandable. As a business owner, you do have that right. We can go a different route and go a bank statement loan. Bank statement, meaning, yes, you will have to put more money down, 10, 15, 20%. But with a great credit score, 680 or higher, we can take the last 12 to 24 months of your business accounts and use and calculate the average of those months and use that as qualifying income. So those will be my options. We have options. We will just have to sit down and discuss what works best for you and your situation. What are you trying to do? 
you've given a lot of food for thought there. And even the other piece, I think oftentimes people think, okay, real estate agents, but you also mentioned this is going to involve like a good CPA, someone who's thoughtful about how you do your taxes as well. Like, man, financial literacy is not as easy as it you would think it is, but thank goodness we have experts like you to share some knowledge with us. So we're prepared for buying our own homes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No problem. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell us how people can find you on social so that they can follow and continue to get more wisdom and hopefully a mortgage from you one day in the future. Yeah, definitely, guys. Don't ever hesitate to reach out to me. I love to help people, big or small. Uh, financial issues or not, it does not matter to me. I'm all about educating. Educating is what I love to do. So I'm on Instagram at Ben the Banker underscore. And I'm also on TikTok um, at Ben the Banker underscore, where I put out a lot of content and videos to help people understand everything that they need to know in detail, just like I was discussing now on the show about how to qualify for a home. Well, Money Movers, I hope you enjoyed these buckets of knowledge, and I hope that you invite me all to your housewarming parties when you buy your first home. Ben, thank you so much for joining us, and that's it for now. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Money Movers, thanks so much for tuning in, but make sure you keep it locked to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from.